Now for my favorite part. Your itinerary of eternal torments. <laughs> for the next millennium, you will be dining exclusively on the most hideous food known to man. Weenie tots. Ooh, I love those. Really? Well, uh, what you don't know is that a steady diet of weenie tots will cause you to spend eternity in the bathroom. Why do you think I love them? All right, Mr. Bundy. Since you find hell such a picnic, uh, how about this? For the rest of eternity, you'll never see your family again. This is heaven. <laughs> Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a whoop No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back, Married with Children fans. We are not in the nudie bar this week. We are in the bowels of hell, and we are here to review damn Bundy's. I'm Steven, and we're in the elevator, and we are going down. And I'm Tyler. And these two guys with me are some of the laziest podcasters ever. You want to really impress me? Get them some jobs. And I'm Stefan, and oh, these damn hooves. They're such a pain in the ass. Yes, we're here to review Damn Bundies. Originally aired April 28, 1997. Written by Ben Montaigne and Vince Chiang. Directed by Richard Correll. Guest starring Robert England. We'll talk more about him later. James Brown as himself, Eric Kramer, Curtis Conway, Raymond Harris as himself, and John Siligarano as Napoleon. Monday, Fox is smoking. See eye-popping special effects like in the movie The Mask when the Bundys go to hell. You'll never see your family again. This is heaven. So, Tyler, why don't you tell us how Dan Bundy's got its name? Oh, I absolutely will. And I didn't even have to do any research myself to know this reference. It is referencing the 1955 musical comedy, Damn Yankees, a comedy with a, uh, it's a musical comedy, like I just said, with a book by George Abbott and Douglas Wallop, music and lyrics by Richard Adler and Jerry Ross. The story is a modern retelling of Foss legend set during the 1950s in Washington, D.C., during a time when the New York Yankees dominated Major League Baseball. It is based on Wallop's 1954 novel, The Year the Yankees Lost the Pennant. The show ran for about 1,019 performances in its original Broadway production. Uh, The plot is basically this. Joe Boyd, a middle-aged fan of an unsuccessful Washington Senators baseball team, his obsession with baseball is driving a wedge between him and his wife, Meg, a problem shared by many other wives of Senators supporters. After seeing his team lose yet again, Joe rashly declares that he would sell his soul to the devil to see his team beat the Yankees. No sooner has he spoken than the devil appears before him in the guise of a suave con man, Applegate. <laughs> not, not, not the Applegate that we all know and love, though. <laughs> uh, He's a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, though. Right? Yeah. As of today. 
Congrats. I love that. She deserves that. Yes, but uh, okay. So Applegate claims he can go one better. He can restore Joe's youth, making him the player who wins them the pennant. Joe agrees, but persuades Applegate to give him an escape clause. Applegate declares that Joe can back out at any time before the last game of the season. Afterwards, his soul belongs to the devil. So, I've never actually personally seen the musical, but I have seen the movie adaptation uh, not too long ago, just a couple years back, and I watched it mainly to watch one music number, and I ended up watching the entire thing. It's it's very funny, and there's a lot of historical examples of the soul uh, being sold to the devil. I can already think of a few of them. Um, yeah, I'd like to talk about this. One well, I was going to. I was just going to like. I was just going to say what my favorite one was, and then I was going to go. But that's oh, okay. not the original one. I was going to okay, give it go. off to you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the one that comes to my mind is, and the one I think is a spiritual connector to this episode is the Simpson episode, the Trails of Horror. Homer selling his soul for a donut. I sell my soul for a donut. Even when he, Homer actually goes to hell in that episode, and there's a scene where he's like, you like donuts? Have all the donuts in the world. And he's actually in love, and he eats them all, and he's enjoying it. Kind of similar to how our Mr. Bundy fail, fares in hell later on. But yeah, that's my silly Simpsons-like example. This whole selling your soul thing has real historic roots, and I will leave that to our wonderful host, Stephen. Yes, and you know, damn Yankees is the same thing. It's a Faustian idea. And when you ever hear that word, you ever wonder what it means? Well, the Faustian refers to someone who trades spiritual values for monetary and fleshly gains. There are many examples of this in, I guess you could say, history. And it goes back to 1466 and Johann Faust. He was a legend as he and uh, this idea has been made into many plays and books at the time. And Faust was a man who was a successful scholar, but desired more and more and sold his soul to Mephistopheles to trade for riches, fame and fleshly desires. And this is a recurring theme that you see in a lot of literature. You know, uh, Tyler, you mentioned uh uh, Homer selling his soul for a donut. Uh, that came to my mind too. But do you remember Bart sold his soul as well one time? Remember yes, that? a, a right. way less a way less humorous episode that actually dealt with the more Faustinian elements of what your soul might actually be. And that's uh, one of my favorite Simpsons episodes. Uh, probably in more recent literature, you might look at um, uh, the Devil and Daniel Webster or the by uh, Stephen Benet and The Devil and Tom Walker by Washington Irving, both short stories. Mm -hmm. I read those a long time ago. And a little twist on it I always liked was the country song, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a, there's a Futurama episode uh, where they go down to uh, where Bender... Uh, he doesn't sell his soul. He kind of gets contractual obligated to go to hell because he joins a religion, but he gets trapped in robot hell mm -hmm. and they have to literally play a fiddle contest to get <laughs> out. So this whole idea of hell and bureaucratic kind of hindrance on how you can get roped in with a contract with Satan 
and get out of it um probably has its uh roots in a lot of medieval uh legal proceedings probably right mm-hmm. right Stephen? It, it actually goes back to the sixth century before Foster in the 1500s in the sixth century there was a uh greek philosopher theo uh, pardon me um he was a greek saint he was a early christian saint and i forgot his name though i thought i put in yeah saint theophilus you know and was a real person but there was a old rumor or legend that he sold his soul to the devil to gain an ecclesiastical position within the church hmm. i mean that's the problem with these stories right guys like it's what would you sell your soul for now obviously you're not going to sell your soul but if you were what would you do and uh I, I, because like here's the thing and all these stories the devil is kind of like a wish master he's trying to like like f you out of everything which i don't kind of like that when he's like yeah i'm the devil um i don't i don't really like yes he's the father of deceit but when it comes to in your soul shouldn't you just give the people what they want like it's gonna end with you with their soul. Like unless they unless they say I'll sell my soul to live forever, then you never get their soul. But well, well, yeah. it's the devil we're talking about. Again, yes, yes. However, uh, so what would okay? Let's pretend that there's going to be no wishmaster like type weird backdoor stuff going on. If you guys had to sell your soul. What would you sell yourself for? Um, being a famous author. If I if I would, but I would never sell my soul. Yeah. I might rent it for an option to buy, but I'm not gonna sell it. <laughs> I'll lease my soul to you. Lease it, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and I say this as someone, I don't know if I believe in hell. At least not hell is like how pop culture perceives it which I had in my notes, there's, you know, biblical hell, and there's pop culture hell. And bi- biblical hell is not, doesn't sound too unbearable, honestly. I could probably, you know, bear it. Um, well, you'd bear, uh, you'd bear podcasting with us. I mean, that's good. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm in hell just listening to you answer this question right now, Stefan. <laughs> we're, we're all in hell somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I guess that, I don't know, maybe something political like that, you know, I don't know that Trump was never elected. I don't know. <laughs> oh, like see, that, potentially. I, I love that. Okay. So Steven, your wish was for selfish means. You want to be a famous author. Stefan sounds like he wants to make the world a better place. Me. Well, authors can touch the world. They can, that's no, they can also touch the readers too. You never know what, what kind of backdoor wish this might bring. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. See, that's what it is. If I was the devil and you asked for that. I'd be fine. You're a famous author in prison <laughs> maybe but then a lot of books are written in prison so. exactly that's right. why you're famous but, you killed all those people like <laughs> yeah hitler wrote mein Kampf. <laughs> cut this out cut that oh out. my god cut yes you're out. hitler okay this cut is turned out, into a absolutely. twilight zone but um yeah it's yeah. this i love this idea wasn't there wasn't this the plot of teen wolf no not teen wolf well uh, as for me for selling my soul just as i closed all this thing out here 
Um, when it always popped into my head, if I had to sell my soul, it would most likely be to. <laughs> it's gonna sound really stupid, but to fly. To be able to fly, to be able to soar above the clouds and go and go anywhere I want. I know we can poke fun into all of this kind of stuff, but it was like the first thing that I thought of when I was a kid. And again, this is all allegedly selling your soul. But yes, yeah, so the, so we've established the uh, the selling your soul for earthly gains or fleshly gains, as I like in our notes here has its roots going all the way back to the 6th century and moving into into modern-day pop culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we open up in the Bundy uh, household, and Jefferson and Al are watching the NFL draft. Hey, pass me the chips. Sure. Go along. He goes for the hill, Mary. Are you all right? I'm fine. I'm fine. Come on, buddy. The NFL draft is on. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) And of course, the two have to play a little football. Um, I did have to point this out too because. You know, first of all, Al makes that catch and destroys the table. And you could tell that was a stunt man. Uh, and and oh, yeah. I was impressed that they had a, a stunt actually in this one. In the first round, the San Francisco 49ers select Jamal Sanders from Texas A&M. Oh, man, look at that. That could have been me. <laughs> I guess we'll never know because you only played high school ball. Hey, at least I was man enough to suit up for it. <laughs> hey, I suited up and I played it every game. We're in the band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And more than once, I played hurt. You know, the Glockenspiel is a cruel mistress. <laughs> and then they start talking about how, or Al says I could have gone pro, and because I suited up. And Jefferson's kidding him, saying, "Well, it was for high school football." And he points out that well, Jefferson, you were in the band. Jefferson and- struck me as being more of a cheerleader. Yeah, that, hey, that's a good one. Also knew that Steve Rose was in the band too. Hi, I'm Jim Jupiter. Nice to meet you, Steve. Nice, firm handshake. Yeah, well, I played a little sousaphone in high school. <laughs> were you two getting ready to exercise? I hate to interrupt. Well, actually, Jim and I were just getting good, started. Good, good. Well, I'm all warmed up. Let's get down on the floor and get pumped. <laughs> You believe these two want this guy? You know what he did in high school? He was a gymnast. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Football in the band. That's where the men were in our day, right, buddy? (laughs) Let's say we go get us a pizza, Steve. Yeah. Let's eat till we vomit. (laughs) You know, like men. (laughs) Or we're going to eat yum, 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 yum. Yeah. So Steve Rose played the Zeusophone, and Jefferson played the uh, what was it? oh the Glockenspiel. That's right. And Jefferson bragged about playing injured. And I'm not going to knock band people. I mean, they work hard, very very hard at their craft. Oh no, marching band is yeah. like a sport. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But you know the Zeusophone, 
that's like a horn. It's almost the size of a tuba. So you're carrying around something that weighs uh, probably 50, 60 pounds, probably. Glockenspiel. That's like a, it's a, yeah, it's a percussion instrument. And it's very, it's a lot, weighs a lot less and you can carry around pretty easily. And it's like a, and you hit it with your little tauntauns or whatever. So in other words, Steve is better than Jefferson because he can haul around something that weighs quite a bit. And then after all that little banter, you know, and the table's destroyed, Peg comes down and- Al, honey, you broke the, the flat thing. It's the dinner table, Peg. You know, as in cooking dinner and serving it to your family. Oh. Well, in that case, thanks for getting rid of it, honey. Man, what I wouldn't give to play for the Chicago Bears. I would sell my soul to play for the Bears. This was one of the things that bugged me. She says, you broke the flat thing. It's called a table peg. And at this point, you know, we've complained about season 11 about some of this bad writing, like for Kelly being dumb. Seriously, Peg doesn't know what a table is? Seriously? I, I understand what you're saying there, uh, Steve, but I do think this whole episode is, in my opinion, could have been the best a series finale that the show could have given. Um, wrapping up, all the characters are represented in almost cartoonish, like paper cookie cutter ways. And for the most part, like you're either into these characters or you're not. So I kind of get what they were doing right there. And it's almost like we run out of it. She's like, D, uh, she's regressing. Like the characters are regressing to what you would see more back into seasons one, two, or three. That's why I think this episode is such a strong uh, episode. It's got like uh, it's it's got a lot of stuff, classic stuff going on that I really liked. Well, funny enough that you mentioned that because you know I always think most sitcoms characters you know become greater parodies themselves as they go on longer. As in this case, I remember my mom always commented when we would watch the show when I was a kid how, um, uh, you know, in the early, in like season one, how Peg would cook. And also, you know, she and Al seemed to be more in love. And then they yeah. kind of, you know, they played that the tropes of the opposite later on. I mean, I, I, I thought it was funny. Well, it was, it's the Looney Tunes aspect that has grown ever since. Um, season uh, eight, really, was when that happened, when the writers yeah. switched over, when it became mm -hmm. more like a live action cartoon. Yeah, when we joined. <laughs> yeah. That was good timing, looking at it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but what I was trying to say is that now they're caricatures, not characters. Mm -hmm. And from the animation, and I think you can really go back to one of Tyler's, Tyler's favorite episode. Oh, God, what's that called with the bunny rabbit again? Wabbit season. By the way, Tyler, uh, I, on the This Day in Mary with Children History, this last week, I put one up for you because that episode premiered, you know, on, I forgot what day it was. Habit season, yeah. Yeah, that one premiered, I think, last Thursday or last Friday in 90, 1990, I believe. And I put it in there on the Facebook thing. This one's for you, Tyler. Because <laughs> you said that was your favorite. Speaking of which, Stephen, I'm I'm sad. Uh, as of today, you're going to end your on this day in married with children history because you went through a whole year. Yes, I did. <laughs>
However, the calendar is available. If listeners, if you want to personal message me on Facebook and ask what I'll give it. Actually, I think I might be able to put it on the Facebook site as a document. And I will have occasional ones because quite often things would go by. And like, uh, I think there are about six or seven events that occurred on a date that I didn't know about until after that date. So I've got those marked and I know when to go back and put those in. So it'll still be there, but that was a fun project to do. I thought it would generate some activity on the Facebook page. But yeah, it was sometimes it was tedious because you had so many things going on in one day. But I think we need to move on a little bit here because we're still not into the full brunt of the episode. We're still in the cold opening. And Peg is down there with with the Jefferson, and that's when Al utters the words, I would sell my soul to play for the Chicago Bears. And what happens? Good afternoon. I'm here to fix your television. Nothing wrong with my television. Yeah, my wife needs some fixing, too. <laughs> if you're a repairman, where's your butt crack? My tail's covering it. I'm Lucifer. Peg, one of your relatives. Peg? Jefferson? They can't hear you. I've frozen them. Hey, these are two of the laziest people on earth. You want to impress me? Make them get jobs. <laughs> I'm the devil, not a genie. <laughs> I still don't think he's seeing my point. Uh, maybe this will help. Oh, so you're the devil. What do you want? Your soul, Mr. Bundy. Deal! See, Tom Arnold put up more of a fight. Okay, so you can have my soul, but I get to play for the Chicago Bears and take them to a Super Bowl. So Robert England, born June 6, 1947, he and I share the same birthday. Really? Yep, mm -hmm. along with uh, Carol Baskin. <laughs> Uh, is an American actor and director. He is best known for playing the supernatural serial killer Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street film series. Classically trained at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, England began his career as a stage actor in regional theater and made his film debut in Buster and Billy in 1974. After supporting roles in films in the 1970s such as Stay Hungry, A Star is Born, and Big Wednesday, England had his breakthrough as the resistance fighter Willie in the miniseries V in 1983. Following his performance in the original Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984, he became closely associated with the horror film genre and is widely regarded as one of its iconic actors. England is one of only four actors to portray a horror character eight consecutive times, the other three being Doug Bradley, who portrayed the pinhead character eight times in the Hellraiser film series. I've never seen a full Hellraiser movie. Tobin Bell, who played Jigsaw, and Brad Dorif, who plays Chucky, England has said that he enjoys the role of Freddy as it gives him a break from always acting out the nice guy. Many people who have worked with England attest to his congeniality. Makeup artists responsible for the Kruger makeup have 
com commented that England was so friendly and talkative that it made the lengthy makeup application slightly more challenging. England's TV appearances include starring in the short-lived series Nightmare Cafe. My friend, uh, my friend Dan told me about that show. It's really underrated, evidently. In which he, in which he played Blackie, the mysterious proprietor of the Tile Cafe, and reprising his role of Freddy Krueger in the series Freddy's Nightmares, A Nightmare on Elm Street, the series. Yes, and you could have had a better choice to be the devil in this particular episode. I remember, I've mentioned this before, that I worked at a movie theater in high school, and I can identify a few movies where we were we got a movie and it was supposed to be in the theater for about a month, maybe six weeks. But after, uh, and after the first couple of weeks, you know, we saw audiences starting to grow. I mean, there wasn't a big ad campaign. It was just simple word of mouth. And we got a Nightmare on Elm Street. That was one of those movies. We're supposed to have it for a month small crowds at first it grew and grew and grew and grew we held it over for six weeks then brought it back a little bit later and it was phenomenal and that's what Kruger is just I mean England is known for is Freddy Krueger and if you remember from uh, uh, he thought he could Al Bundy was dubbed the Freddy Krueger of the library system <laughs> so you, you both um, my favorite A Nightmare on Elm Street movie is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Mine too. Yeah, it's it's um, it really it, it didn't do well when it first came out. It was kind of the pre like meta era, which is more popular now, and it kind of it's almost a prelude to the Scream series because it's about horror movies, you know, coming into the real world. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I yeah I watched it with my sister when we were young. She hated it, and I loved it. It was genius. Uh, yeah. I may have told this story before. I may have to go check the first time we talked on this on another episode. But that was, that movie created the rule because my wife, uh, she didn't like horror movies. And that one came out. We were still, we were, been, we had been married for about two years. And I said, oh, I want to see this. Come, come on, see me with, with me. And she was saying, no, I don't. I hate horror movies. Well, she, she agreed to try it for me once. After that, she said, she made a rule. If you want to see a horror movie, leave me alone. You just go on with that. Mm -hmm. I'm dating, actually, it's kind of nice. I'm dating someone right now. And she uh, she likes horror movies. So I think I found a good catch here. Yeah, I, I heard you were dating someone new. She's mm -hmm. a colleague? Uh, yes, uh -huh. a colleague. Yeah. And congrats for you too, uh, Tyler. Oh, thank you. About that. Yep, and I'm moving yeah. in with Ryan at the end of the month, so it's all good, bro. Love it, love it. <laughs> I just like to bring that up, and I agree with you. It's the best one, actually. Nightmare One, I like. Nightmare Two, I reconsidered, and I like it a lot better than what I used to. Nightmare it's it, it's it's following has grown, you know the the queer element of it, definitely. But uh, I originally liked Nightmare Three. But I've grown to dislike it. I saw Nightmare Four. I gave up then. I didn't see any of them until a new Nightmare because everyone was telling me how ridiculous it got. With um, what was it, the uh, Freddy's Dead, the Final Nightmare, and all that stuff. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I love New Nightmare. To me, that was genius. It mm -hmm. really was. And we're not, not going to we're not going to talk about the um, the remake. <laughs> no, that stays back in the remake office. Yep. 
but you could have gotten a better person. And what does he do? He just takes out the uh, TV and freezes Peggy and Jefferson. You know, there was a note in here about the special effects, you know, because England has to prove he is the devil to Al and makes the eyes bug out. This was one of the things that kind of kicked me out of it a little bit. I didn't care for those cheesy special effects. And there's another one that's later with Kelly turning into a gargoyle. But these would not have been cheesy in 97. I mean, they would have, okay, they would have been cheesy, but they would have been way more fun than they are now. For network television standards, they would not, they would have been considered very good. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just kicked me out. But <laughs> anyway, the devil is there because Al said, "Hey, it's on my soul." Hey, what do you want, Mister Bundy? Uh, or pardon me, Al says, "What do you want? Your soul, Mister Bundy." Al says, "Deal." Then there was this line: Tom Arnold put up more of a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Was this before or after he divorced Roseanne? Who knows? I think, pardon me, I think that was after. (laughs) That's what he sold his soul for. (laughs) Get me out. And then the kids come down. Or or no, before that, uh, I like what Al does with uh, Jefferson and Jefferson and uh, Peggy. It goes back to your opening line, Tyler. You know, these two... (laughs) You froze these two, the laziest people on the on the earth, and they you should have made them uh, do something instead. I'd better unfreeze them. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> Go ahead. Burning? Has mom been ironing? (laughs) No, nothing as unusual as that. I sold my soul to the devil. Oh, for riches and diamonds? Uh, Kelly, we're talking about dad's soul. For a Canadian penny? (laughs) No, Pumpkin. Daddy's gonna be the new star fullback for the Chicago Bears. Right. And I sold my soul so I could be a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. You'd have to sell every soul in China for that thing. Guys, look. Daddy's on TV. And in the first round, the Chicago Bears select from James K. Polk High School, Al Bundy. (laughs) And Al messes with them. But then the, uh, then the kids kind of turn that around about selling your soul to the devil. Al says, hey, I sold my soul to the devil. Kelly, cool, for riches and diamonds. And Bud reminds Kelly, we're talking about dad's soul. For a Canadian penny? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love I love when, when like, how, um, when they're frozen, how Al, like, puts the broom in packs. <laughs> <laughs> and the juice like throws it and recoils like it's a snake. <laughs> that was nice. Mm-hmm. So he wants to go and play for the Chicago Bears and take them to the Super Bowl. And that's what you have to remember. He said he wanted to take them to the Super Bowl. 
that's how the devil is in the details. Yep. When, when, when you make when you make wishes, if movies teach us anything, think them out and be as specific with your wording as possible. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, and here is the thing. Uh, England has a line in there as the devil. He says, I'm the devil, not a genie. And, and then you have to like kind of battle the devil. What I liked about this episode is it, it really, half of it is, I thought the entire episode was going to be Al's wish. And really, it's half of the episode, which moved it up in ratings in my mind. I, I will say, in my opinion, that this episode maybe could have been a two-parter. Yeah, I made that. I thought of that observation too when I was watching. I thought they tried to do a little bit too much, and it would have been a great two-parter. I forget which one of you said it might be a better se- uh, series finale, but I don't know Tyler. if I go that. And also, also uh. Uh, Chris Chris Gunter said the same thing. I know on the on a Facebook comment that this would have been a good or could have or would have been a good finale. It ends well. with all of them in hell together, of course. Like right, yeah, <laughs> it's it's perfect. Well, well, are we are we to believe that that's really at the end or? I think they flat out said that this actually happened. Where well, them yeah, right? It, it happened, but they but. They weren't in hell anymore because Al didn't drop the ball. Well, no, I'm saying it could have been a serious finale, literally ending with them going like, this is hell. At least I have you, Peg. Boom, dun, 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 dun. And then just like, and have it like, have the the thing play over like, thanks for joining and thanks for sticking with us till the bitter end with all of them in hell. I don't know. I thought like... Mm The show would have been really funny, <laughs> Al in hell with all uh, because they're all terrible. Of course, they would all go to hell. Like it's well. Then Al sits down at the TV to watch the NFL draft because that's what they were watching. He and Jefferson and Al is drafted to the Chicago Bears. He is now the oldest rookie in the NFL without trying so, out or anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's because the devil helped him there. And he goes to the Bears, and uh, I'm going to talk about their appearance in the Super Bowl here in a, few, a little bit later. But uh, we go to the stadium where Al is playing. Hey, guys, I, I hope you're not still mad at me for making you look bad at practice. Okay, so you had a few good days. You're still old and flabby. You smell like Ben Gay. <laughs> and because of you, we all have jock itch. We'll see Al walking. You are so lucky, Peggy. You're finally going to get handicap parking. (laughs) And then we get all these uh, newspaper and magazine things, you know, kind of making it look like time's going on. I liked it. Oldest rookie Bundy scores four touchdowns in first game. <laughs> you knew that one was coming. Mm-hmm. And then he's elected as uh, Time Magazine's Man of the Year and the Sexiest Man of the Year by People Magazine. 
And Sports Actually. Illustrated. Yeah. Yeah, he was in all those. Deviled dogs, deviled eggs, deviled ham. And then there is the devil selling stuff. Get your red hots, get your deviled dogs, your deviled eggs, deviled ham. Okay, yeah, that's that'd be the stuff the devil was selling. And, and well, I had... found I found unusual that Marcy was there, but I guess she wanted to see Al get hurt. Probably, I'll bet yeah. anything that was it. And then Kelly is doing this great thing. Yogi, boo-boo, Smokey. <laughs> Yogi Bear, Smokey Bear, boo-boo bear. God. Let's I talk about I, I do not mind. I do not mind dumb Kelly. I know y'all disagree with me on there. I, I, I like it. I think she's funny. Well, I'm talking, I'm talking more about Steven, I guess. Well, no, no, maybe more Annabelle and Matt. Yeah, well, I think a lot of us have problems with, you know, you can make people dumb, but when you make them stupid, that's just like combing the headlines. That's the one we all go back to. She gets out her comb and is combing the clip. Oh, God. It, yeah, you well. just, uh, you you have a level, Stephen, where you just can't go too far. Peg not knowing what a table is. Okay. Like, yeah. So, like, like, for instance, so, like, dumb. So, like, we're talking, okay, like, dumb versus stupid, because... Um, so like, I don't know if you know this, but Christina Applegate turned down the role of Elle Woods, <laughs> legally blonde, yep, because she didn't want to get typecasted so soon after, you know, Married with Children ended. So like, Elle Woods, is she like, like, like is she portrayed as quote unquote dumb or ditzy? Because she was not stupid. She's dumb blonde. Yeah, but, but she was not stupid. She was a pretty blonde girl. So that's all you yeah, need. She, she was resourceful, as we saw. Airhead, spacey, nothing right. going on up there. Not using, not thinking. Right, but can you? But can you answer my question? I, uh, I thought What's I did. What was it? Oh, I mean, I mean, she was not. She was maybe dumb, ditzy, but not stupid. Is that the difference? I thought I was agreeing with you. I'm sorry. I thought I was agreeing with you. Yeah, she's not dumb. She's ditzy and stuff. I thought I, thought I was agreeing with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I never saw it, but it's. You've, you know, never seen, take... you've never seen Legally Blonde. Mm, oh, Legally Blonde. Okay, I misunderstood you, Moose, because <laughs> Legally Blonde, I did see it. And, of course, I only saw it with my uh, niece in it when she was doing the Legally Blonde play last year at her school. Oh, and I get to see her here again in a couple of weeks. She's coming home from her freshman year at college. And But anyway... What I'm getting at is there's there is a difference between being dumb and being stupid or naive and downright stupid, and I don't find being stupid that funny. Uh, a quick example like Dumb and Dumber, those guys are dumb. To me, one of the best lines in there is when they get to Aspen, and they turn around and and uh, Jeff Jeff Daniels says, "Wow, would you look at the butt on that one?" And Jim Carrey says, "Yeah." He must work out. <laughs> I mean, that's dumb because both butts probably look pretty good, but Jim Carrey is focused on the wrong one. You know, he's not gay. Or a little bit later when uh, he trades the car for that little moped-like thing and Jeff Daniels says, just when you think you 
I think you can't do anything more stupid. You go and do this and totally redeem yourself. You know, that was, that's funny. You weren't thinking that's coming. But when you have someone say, I need to clone the classifieds or I need to separate these eggs or what's that flat thing called? You know, that's just beyond. That is so hyperbolic that I can't take that seriously. As Al yeah. sells his soul to a devil. No, I was but, just saying, like, I just find it funny, like, they were putting these, like, realistic ideas onto uh, Al selling his soul to play uh, for the Chicago Bears. Like, it just, it, uh, I like that because these characters are so well-defined and so, yeah. and have such, uh, you know, history behind them that we have that kind of relationship. But, yeah, we need to move on. Yeah. Trying to get the bear's attention. <laughs> uh, real quick, Kelly is referring to Smokey Bear. He is an American campaign and advertising icon created by the U.S. Forest Service with artist Rudolph Wendland in the Wildfire, Wildfire Prevention Program. It's the longest-running public service announcement campaign in U.S. history. takes a careless moment to turn this into this. Don't let forest fires be your fault. Make sure your fire is dead out. Remember, only you can prevent forest fires. And then Yogi, yeah, and then Yogi and Boo Boo well, there were from the cartoon for Yogi Bear, an anthropomorphic funny animal, many comics and many animated television shows. He made his debut in 1958 as a supporting character in the Huckleberry Hound show. And I mean, there were a lot of other connections. He had to do have to uh, he had to duel his wits against Ranger Smith, who was uh, the uh, guy in charge of Jellystone. What you doing down there, Yogi? Study the diagram, Sam. You mean you're gonna dig down and under the ranger station and come up outside? That's the picture. Bye-bye, boo-boo. Wait a minute, Jellystone. Isn't that where Steve went to be a park ranger? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Shoehorn Bundy will not endorse any products he doesn't use. No, it's not just your deodorant, it's any deodorant. <laughs> Little polygrip? Yeah, what's your best offer? I said, show me the money. You're not even showing me the wallet. <laughs> and Bud is doing his agent routine again. He has to be the agent trying to work everything. And he talks about, no, no, no. Shoehorn Bundy is not going to endorse anything he doesn't use. And that includes deodorant. Yeah. No, he doesn't wear deodorant. <laughs> Not just yours at all. <laughs> right. But this was a jokes about endorsing products as a jab at Joe Namath. He was, he, you know, and Tyler, you and I talked about him in Dances with Wheezy back in season eight. And he did. He would sell anything. He did commercials for Brood Aftershave, Noxema, Pantyhose, believe it or not. Nobody beats the Wiz, Flexol 454, Ovaltine, 
and now he's in Medicare Advantage. Oh boy! Now, kind of, and now all all athletes do that. You know, it's, yeah, they're making more money doing that than they would be playing football, and they get less concussions. Oh, absolutely! I'm sure with those concussions, they probably don't know they're endorsing this stuff. <laughs> I mean, and you gotta, you know, you can only play football for so long. It's like, whereas, yeah, you need you need the you know, yeah, because the NFL doesn't take care of their players. No, they well. do not. Nope. Uh, that flip phone is the most 1997 thing ever. I swear. I was 2003. I want to say it was right before I got my driver's license. One thing my mom was really strict about was if you're if you're going to drive, you're going to have a phone. That's why even if I got grounded, she would never ground me for my cell phone. Yeah, it, it was one of those clamshells. It was stolen on my out of my locker the day before the last day of school in tenth grade. Yeah, man. What about you, Tyler? Mine was a flip phone, uh, Virgin Mobile phone when I was a sophomore in high school. And I remember getting in trouble because I racked up about $65 worth of text messaging. Because every text message, whether it was LOL or a five pager, was 25 cents. Uh, Those were, that's going to be the real, like, back in my day type thing. That I'm gonna tell like my niece and nephew. Oh, I'm already telling it to young kids that I work with, so it's it's already <laughs> back in your okay. day. That that video stores slash lack lack of stream the, the lack of like the the lack of like unlimited media in general, and um you know the limit the limits on you know phone minutes or having to wait till like after seven or nine to call because it was free. Yeah, I remember that. I could also talk about how. You know, at midnight, most TV stations signed off, and there was just a test pattern. That never happened to me. I needed poltergeist to explain that to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stephen, no offense, but you can have a lot more to say than us. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> I know. Well, with the phones nowadays, though, they are a menace in the classroom. These kids, they don't kids don't have any self restraint. They take pictures of of assignments and they pass them on to each other. And, I went to one, I subbed in one, one school, Stephen. I think it was a charter school. It was the only way they got away with it. Um, every kid, when they walked into that classroom, walked up to the desk and put their phone in the de- in that box. They got it at the end of, of the class. I wish we would do that. Uh, unfortunately... We're not allowed to confiscate them anymore, at least at my school district, because that makes us liable. We they might have something on there, and and they're also several thousands of dollars worth of t- technology. So parents get really pissed. What the fuck do you mean you took my kid's uh, th- uh, phone? Blah 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 blah. They're like, how am I supposed to contact him? Same way your mom contacted him. Call the school. Exactly. You know, I call it the new umbilical cord. I really do, because now. One of my colleagues had this happen to her a few years ago where this kid was asking, can I go to the bathroom? And all she said was, wait a minute, because she was trying to get a kid logged in on his on his computer. And within a minute, that kid said, I just texted my mom. She said I could go, so I'm going to the bathroom. I'm like, who that infuriated me? Well, I mean, I mean like, if, if you're going to pee your pants, they have to let you go. But I'm not saying they did. I, I thought I thought you were going to say you were the the – the the reply was, I don't know, can you? <laughs> Have you ever done that or had a teacher do that? 
Oh yeah, I had, I had a teacher did that to me. I had thousands of teachers do that to me. It's the reason why I actually think of that now anytime I screw make that screw up. Um, I do it. I admit I'm a teacher. I do that. You're the only one, Stephen, and during school hours and in the school building. Anywhere else, you're just a jerk. Uh, I'm sure you have you two seen Fast Times at Richmond High? Yep. Okay. Well, that was my in my generation. I was 15 years old when I saw that. I hate to admit it, but the older I get, the more I agree with Mr. Hand. I think everyone's on dope. <laughs> oh yeah, like I I was 15 when I saw it, and I was on his side. Like I was like, man, this sucks. I hate I hated high school kids when I was a high school kid. Oh, seeing same. high school kids, I hate same. them even more now. So same. yeah. <laughs> I guess we better get back to the show. Uh, Kelly said that she was trying to get the bears' attention. Stop bears! Stop bears! And that refers to uh, some of our guests on the on on the show. That includes the uh, quarterback for the Chicago Bears at that time. His name was Eric Kramer, and then there was also Curtis Conway. And Raymond Harris. Those are the three bears on the sideline that he is talking to. So more NFL players on there. And then, of course, we have James Brown as James Brown, not the blues man. So, Al, it's the final moments before the start of the Super Bowl. You've had a miraculous Cinderella season. The whole world is wondering, how did you do it? I sold my soul. <laughs> Dedication. Well, to you young people watching out there, and um, to you old people, too, anything is possible if you put your soul into it. Give them hell, shoehorn. Thanks, JB. So we've got some celebrities starring here, so that makes it also a good fodder for a possible... Shouldn't James, shouldn't he know who Al is already? Yeah. Yeah. He was told, don't be like him. <laughs> right. And he, you know, he w- should remember, yeah, oh, yeah, you stole my... Stefan, 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 devil this magic. It's a dream. Okay, right. Okay, yeah, true, true. <laughs> we don't know if it's a dream. We'll have to come back at the end here. And him trying to uh, get a, uh, a deal for Al. I want to back up, just make a comment. Um, earlier, where, where Peg is like, I would sell my soul to be a Sports Illustrated sw- or swimsuit model, whatever she said. Or Al made a joke about, you know, you couldn't do that. I'm like, did you not remember back to live nude peg, Al? Your wife is sm- pretty smoking. Yeah. I would say she could. She's going to be smoking in a few scenes. <laughs> yeah, coming up. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, this episode tickled me in all the right spots. Like, it, it, make it, it made me very happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because then JB is talking to uh, Al, and he says, you've had a miraculous Cinderella season. The whole thing, whole world is wondering, how'd you do it? Al says, I sold my soul. And James Brown says, dedication. <laughs> well, to you young people watching out there, and you old people, to anything is possible if you put your soul into it. <laughs> Al told the truth for a change. But then he has to uh, play... Then he gets the team to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think the Chicago Bears may have made a deal with the Devil, too, because that year they had four wins and 11 losses in 97. 
I'm pretty sure the Minnesota Vikings have made a deal with the devil this year because they're doing great. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, and I don't then, my Minnesotans hear that. Not my, not Ryan's mother. Oops. <laughs> and then strangely, the Ra- they're playing the Raiders. That's a definite in the Super Bowl. They were 4-11 and as well. So this is a real deal with the devil type of story here. Wow. I wonder yeah. if the devil is subscribed to DraftKings. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> but then, you know, that's when the devil or Freddy Krueger, and by the way, officials do have numbers. Did you notice what number he had? 666. Yep. Mm-hmm. Of course. Loved it. Loved mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And he points out the details. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. I only promised to let you take them to the Super Bowl. I never said anything about playing and winning it. Exactly. Yeah, and Al thinks he's going to be able to do it without the devil's help. I love, I love how he like walks when he walks over to the huddle and he's like panting. That's such a nice touch. It's perfect. I love that so because it's exactly. I, I, it's exactly what a man in his late forties, like Al Bundy, would be like after five minutes in all, just in all that football gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of uh, in All Night Security, dude, and that he has that scuffle with the spare tire, Bubba Smith, at mm-hmm. the end, and they're both lying on the ground at the end, panting. Nice one, Bundy. Nice, nice hit, spare tire. <laughs> we were two pretty good athletes back then, weren't we? Hey, we're still great athletes. I'm hurt real bad. <laughs> you too. I can't get up. Me neither. <laughs> Sleepy time now? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Well, real quick, I want to say that uh, right before Al got killed on the field, that Satan says, win one for the Reaper. This is a definite reference to win one for the Gipper. That's a line from the movie Newt Rockney, Everyone's All-American. It was based on the story of Notre Dame fullback George Gipp's death. Gipp was played by former president and former deceased president Ronald Reagan. Rockney d- delivered an inspirational speech for the Fighting Irish during a halftime uh, against uh, Army. Gip told Rockney on his hospital deathbed for the Tim to win one for the Gipper. And like I said, Gip was played by Ronald Reagan. This inspired many copycats and parodies, including the Bad News Bears of Breaking Training and everyone's favorite, Airplane. Well, boys... Thing to say. Played a great game. All of you. Great game. I guess we just can't expect to win them all. I'm going to tell you something I've kept to myself for years. None of you ever knew George Gipp. It was long before your time. 
But you all know what a tradition he is at Notre Dame. And the last thing he said to me, Rock, he said, sometime when the team is up against it and the brakes are beating the boys, tell them to go out there with all they got and win just one for the Gipper. I don't know where I'll be then, Rocky said. But I'll know about it. And I'll be happy. I want to tell you something I kept to myself through these years. I was in the war myself, medical corps. I was on late duty one night when they brought in a badly wounded pilot from one of the raids. Could barely talk up at me and Doc, he said, the odds were against us up there, but we went in anyway. I'm glad. Captain made the right decision. The pilot's name was George Zip. George Zip said that? The last thing he said to me, Doc, he said, sometime the crew is up against it. The brakes are beating the boys. Tell them to get out there and give it all they've got. And win just one for the zipper. I don't know where I'll be then, Doc, he said. That won't smell too good, that's for sure. Everybody's All-American is a... I remember seeing that as a kid. It is a fun, good, inspirational movie. Congratulations, Mr. Bundy. You did it. Thanks to you, Lou, I'm realizing my dream. I'm playing in the Super Bowl. As I'm sure your wife has said to you many times before, Mr. Bundy, not so fast. <laughs> what? I agreed to let you take the Bears to the Super Bowl. I didn't agree to let you play in it. Well, that's not fair. Duh. <laughs> I'm the devil! <laughs> Well, I'm playing, and you can't stop me. Well, go ahead, but you'll be playing without my help. I don't need your help. I'm Al Shoehorn Bundy, NFL Rookie of the Year, and spokesman for Super Polygrip, now available in barbecue. <laughs> it's your funeral! Win one for the Reaper! <laughs> hey, you okay, Bundy? I'm fine. <laughs> okay, 36 blast on three. Who's talking? Kramer, is it you? Speak up! Okay, everybody got that? Ready? Break. Break. Set! Blue, 48. Crushing hit. Oh boy, you know you hate to see something like that. Hey, let's take a look at the replay. <laughs> He's not moving. Oh my god. He's either dead or having sex. <laughs> oh. That was a hell of a hit. Ironic choice of words. 
the elevator going down. But I was supposed to go to Disneyland. But we... Anyway, so now we get to the second half of this episode in which we get on the elevator and go to hell. <laughs> Again, good effects for the time for network television. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Al says, I'm going to Disney World or I'm going to Disney. I, I, I was supposed to go to Disney World or what, Disneyland or whatever. Yeah. Can I, I, I don't think we actually, no one actually mentioned this yet, but. Robert England is awesome in this. Oh yes, yeah. Oh, like, he, yeah. he's. We're not stressing this enough, uh, audience members. Like, if you've never seen Damn Yankees, he is being uh, Applegate. Like, this was Applegate. There's a reason I kept watching this. When the Devils showed up in that movie, I was like, "Oh God, here we go." But he is just a a delight, and Robert England is as well like him and al have really good chemistry mm-hmm. uh which i've never thought i would say <laughs> robert england and ed o'neill have good chemistry together but they do and it's just i this went from i was happy when i saw him on the field again and i was so happy when i saw we were actually going to go to hell like it, it it like you guys say it should be a two-parter I agree it could be, but I think this works so well with their them being constrained to get this thing done and they're not leaving any room for anything. They're just go, 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 joke, joke, move it, move it, move it. And it's it, it to me, it's all holding. And England just having fun. You can tell mm-hmm. he is having a fun time doing this. And I like it when I see actors doing that. I even think Al was having a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, he's like a G-rated Freddy Krueger. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. which says a which says a lot because you know what um uh, uh the actress that played Ariel in your interview with her how she mentioned that when she did the season eleven episode how it was like okay Mike's off we're done it didn't look like they were having fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she referred to and that was a reference to the one we reviewed the. Uh, uh, twisted. Yeah. Yep. We could tell there was a very cartoony episode, but we could tell there was some stiffness. Yeah. Like everybody was just saying their lines. They're saying them well, but they were saying their lines. Mm-hmm. This one, everybody's in on the joke. Everybody's waiting yeah. at the door for them to come in and do their role, and they look like they're all having fun. Mm-hmm. And this was something I really enjoyed. There's no B plot to it. Nope. No. They just yeah, they just incorporate everybody into the story. And uh, the other one I think is one of the best of this season is Bud on the side. I mean, I don't know if you guys liked what I did, but there was no B plot there. And because everyone was involved in this thing in one way or another. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a risk, but when it's done right, it's very, very effective. Yeah. Anyway, the devil is now introducing Al to what hell is like. (laughs) It's hot as hell down here. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. As a frequent liar, you're eligible for our express check-in. And how long will you be staying? Oh, forever. <laughs> I hope you enjoy your room here at Club Dead. It overlooks the cesspool. And here's your complimentary Bloody Mary. Oh. Careful, I think some bone got through the juicer. 
Now for my favorite part. Your itinerary of eternal torments. <laughs> for the next millennium, you will be dining exclusively on the most hideous food known to man. Weenie tots. Ooh, I love those. Really? Well, uh, what you don't know is that a steady diet of weenie tots will cause you to spend eternity in the bathroom. Why do you think I love them? All right, Mr. Bundy. Since you find hell such a picnic, uh, how about this? For the rest of eternity, you'll never see your family again. This is heaven. <laughs> For the next millennium, you'll be dining exclusively on the most hideous for food known to man, weenie tots. That's when I heard have all the donuts in the world in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love the continuity of Weenie Tots on this show. It's so great. It. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's one of the few. Yeah. But did you, did you guys, did you guys see it coming? Like when they went to hell, like, did you see this happening? I thought Al and the family, first off, I didn't think the family was going to show up. That was a, delight and everybody shows up i thought al was just going to drive them all insane and they were going to send him back i did not I think that it was oh everything they throw at al al loves and what is the worst hell he could possibly think of when he it's just <laughs> again it it, 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 it well, it's head smacking of course yeah First of all, you know, eat the Winnie Tots, he'll spend eternity in the bathroom. That's his favorite place. He'll never see his family again. Well, that's heaven to him, too. Heaven. It's like, like the devil. A... It's like the devil is being frustrated. I kept exactly. thinking, like, Al, just shut up. Don't don't let on that this is going to be good for you. Just shut up. <laughs> like, I thought it was going to cut to, like, they do it, too. Like, I thought it was going to cut to, like, six millennia later. Like, and Al's just like, and let me tell you again about the perfect, like, we know you scored four touchdowns. All right, I know we're here, but this really is hell. Al, you're going back or something like that. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, that there probably is a, a script uh, 17, 27, 26, 26 years ago thrown in the trash uh, with all that on there. So I think they went with the better one. So I agree. I agree. <laughs> But I love how oh, his family gets down there. <laughs> Mr. Bundy, your permanent accommodations are now ready. Oh, great, great. I'm ready, Lou. Oh, hey, uh, Lou. What's down there? Oh, uh, specialty suites for IRS auditors, meter maids, infomercial producers, <laughs> mimes. <laughs> Here we are. I hope this is to your liking. Oh, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> what are you guys doing down here? Well, we're taking your body to the dump. <laughs> I mean, the cemetery. When the brakes went out on the Dodge. Al Bundy, this is all your fault. I should be in heaven right now having sex with young Elvis. Then it wouldn't be heaven for him anymore, though, would it, Pam? Are you happy now?
he's asking, how'd you get down there? Well, we're on our, taking your body down the dump. <laughs> I mean, the cemetery. <laughs> so, so, so on brand with these people. So uh, on brand. The uh, brakes of the Dodge went out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the brakes of the Dodge going out. That's really ironic, you know. And I love... That was so I, perfect. I love... And so Lucky was in the car with them too. Yeah. And Lucky's little devil horn. So cute. Yes. So cute. I know. Even the, the dog text. went to hell. It's... I know. Uh, yeah. And uh, Peggy, Al Bunny, this is your fault. I should be in heaven right now having sex with young Elvis. Wouldn't be uh, heaven for him. No, yeah. it wouldn't be. But I got to tell you, my favorite part of all this. No. Not until you're as miserable as you can possibly be. How can it get any more miserable than this? <laughs> of course. <laughs> what happened? Well, I was dancing next to your grave. <laughs> I slipped on some confetti. The next thing you know, here I am. How'd you get here? It was a conga line. <laughs> it's probably my favorite line of the episode was when uh, Marcy and Jefferson walk in. And he says, what happened? And Marcy says, well, I was dancing next to your grave. I slipped on some confetti. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I'm here. And then he looks at Jefferson. How'd you get here? There was a conga line. Yes. <laughs> Which, okay, I don't totally get that line. Are oh. we implying he like got trampled or something? Or No, he slipped with them. Oh! Oh! oh. They're in line. I love it. Oh, I like, love it. Oh. That was, that's what I just cannot stop laughing over that. I'm still laughing oh, over that. Is, that is good. Oh, I. Oh. This episode might have moved up half a point for me right there. It would um, be like it would be I like Stephen going to hell, and then you and me are there, and uh, there was like. Well, you weren't there to yell at us, so uh, me and Stefan. So Stefan finally ate uh, that horrible, horrible uh, cheeseburger that was known to have salmonella in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Tyler? It was buy one get one free. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things, like because th- there's no reason. Like part of me was like, wait, why the f, f- are are the Jeffersons here? But then I'm like, it's perfect because yeah. my favorite joke is coming up with them. Right. But however, you know, heaven and hell, this is and this is an interesting concept for me, you know, like I never I never understood how people like how you know born again Christians or whatever say, you know, like I want I want you to be in heaven with me when I'm, you know, after we die. It's like, first of all, how do you know you're going to heaven? Second of all, you know, if heaven, if heaven is being around the people you love, that's heaven to you, then won't I be there anyways? At least an image of me will be there. At least how I am to you will be there. Whereas this is hell with Al, you know, so um, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying who knows if they were really there, if it was just, you know, projections of them, if that makes sense. Hmm, interesting. For the concept of the show, let's say they were there. You know, but but whatever. It's just I, I've always wondered about that concept. Like my, my favorite depiction of hell ever on any pop culture, um, uh, American Horror Story in Coven, 
Mm. I, not, mm-hmm. I don't know if you two have seen that show. I have. I love okay, it. Okay, yep. Uh, uh, Misty Day. Oh my God, it was so tragic. But because there, it's basically you relive the worst moment of your life on loop. The worst moment of your life. And oh, it was, it was so tragic what happened to her character. But they revived it in Apocalypse. She was freed. Freed from the bowels of hell. It was wonderful. Um, but that's kind of something on the show where they... I remember people were talking about their own personal hells and some people on the internet were like, well, maybe the other person wasn't really there, you know, like, cause the person was like, well, it's my heaven. What happened to like Jessica Lange's character at the end of Coven? Um, you know what I mean, Tyler, but anyways, mm-hmm. I just, I think it's, it's something I wonder about. Sorry. It's well, I will say one thing. It is tough to imagine. I think it's harder to imagine heaven than it is hell. Mm-hmm. And one of my professors in seminary said, "What <laughs> if we knew what heaven was really like? We'd probably all be killing ourselves to get there." But we really don't want that. And I here's one frustrating thing I get is people think hell is punishment. Well, it's really just separation from God. Exactly. It wasn't get, until Dante Alighieri. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We we get more of our concepts from hell from Dante's Inferno. Than we get from the Bible, yes. And the same, and the same is true with heaven. And heaven's just very abstract. I, and I remember a friend of mine talking about this a long time ago in college. He said, "Doesn't heaven sound kind of boring?" I thought, mm-hmm. "I have long, I have long thought that too." Yes, um, not my, my heaven. <laughs> my my best friend from childhood was raised in a, a highly Christian household and was pretty indoctrinated at a young age. And he was like, you know, yeah, in heaven, all you'll want to do is, you know, you'll just want to worship God and that's all you'll want to do. I'm like, that sounds fucking boring. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it. No offense, Stephen. That, no, sounds, that, right. that, would, that, would, that would be my personal hell. Sorry. Well, well, it, well that's it. You know, I, I agreed with him. I said, yeah, sometimes it does. But like, I, but then I, refer to my professor he says if we knew what it was really like you know it's beyond our comprehension mm-hmm. i think that's yeah. why we mm-hmm. can't conceive it and why it does sound boring to some people because i think there's a lot more to it than just us sing around and praising god i think one of my concepts of hell is having to watch christian movies all the time especially with kirk cameron oh yeah the um uh remember tyler was like why do we even make those <laughs> we even make those yeah um before we uh move on i want to bring up so what the reason i said dante alighieri's uh inferno or mm-hmm. inferno uh that is the third third is it yeah it's the second in three books by uh by a famous writer, poet dante alighieri cantos inferno and paradiso Please get, tell me if I'm wrong, Stephen. Um, and it's. Uh, I love you ask you check with him, but not with me because you assume I haven't. I've read it and don't know. Well, he was a pa- he was a pastor. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. So. Well, I'm not a literary, I'm not a literary expert. So. No, but you probably would have came across that image and those uh, those things. Well, I had to read it in high school. Part Boom. of it in high school. Okay. So, well, anyway. I anyway, it's. If you, if anybody out, any listener has ever once seen a cartoony image of hell where it's fire, brimstone, uh, and creep horrible things and agony and suffering, you are being inspired by Dante Alighieri's concept of hell. And if you guys want, if anybody out there doesn't actually want to read it, 
I highly recommend reading it. It's very chilling and very, he wrote it for lay people, non-educated people. So basically mm. if you can read and there's wonderful translations free on Kindles, get it, check it out. But if you don't want to read it, there is in 2010, they made somebody, <laughs> I don't know who did this yet, made a animated epic called Dante's Inferno, an animated epic. And it's on, it's free on Tubi, on Vudu, on Amazon Prime Video, on Plex, on Freevee. If you just type in Dante's Inferno, an animated epic, it's really, really good. They actually quote the canto and his writings. It actually shows who Dante is, why he goes through hell. Um, they and every time he goes to a different layer of hell, it's a different type of animation. Um, it's very, very good, and it ends with one of my favorite. Like, because eventually you go down through the circles of hell through nine different circles, mm -hmm. and Lucifer is at the, yep, Lucifer is at the bottom, mm -hmm. and there are two types of people in the ninth circle of hells. There is uh, one is for what Lucifer is most famous for a betrayer those who betray mm. um the uh, and you go to the ultimate with the ultimate betrayer lucifer himself and people who sell indulgences uh yeah. <laughs> which was basically dante commentate commenting on how he felt about church indulgences at the time but mm -hmm. it he doesn't draw when you go down with lucifer you're not in a boiling lake of lava you're in ice it's frozen over, and Lucifer is depicted as this gigantic demon frozen in a pit of ice. Uh, and and Dante, you can see you can see his breath, and his blood runs cold. And I, because you're furthest from the from light, the light of God, so therefore it is as cold as you could imagine. And I just found that in my mind, I'm always thinking because you think of fire and everything, and mm -hmm. yes, that's for greed. Fire, fire. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But no, like it's it's a very interesting idea where hell is an actual place. Whereas Stephen, you brought up earlier the uh, older Judeo-Christian idea before the Catholic revival that hell is not a place, it's not a physical place you go to. It's a place you are in, and that is separate from God. Just as a sin is not uh, like a rule, like naughty boy, you broke a rule. It's you're doing things that are separating you from God. And we need to watch it doing that. And you don't want to be in hell. You want to be with God. So obviously you don't want hell. It's not that you don't want hell because you don't want to burn. You don't want hell because you actually want to be with God. So Dante changed everything. It really gave like church attendance shot up after he wrote this because people are like, holy crap, that's what hell is? I don't want to go there. Church, can I pay you? Get me out of there, please. Indulgences were paid for people who had already died, like a relative. It, it, it definitely changed everything and how people view it and how pop culture would view hell for all the way until, like, you ask a five-year-old in a public school, just grab a random kindergartner and say, do you know what hell is? And if they say yes, could you draw me a picture? That's they will flames. draw flames. Mm -hmm. So Dante Alighieri cannot be underestimated right. his influence.
I'm my interest is peaked. I think I'm going to watch this tonight. So good. You too, stay. Um, I think you would love it. Well, I may have to wait until next week, but still, we need to get on here. Al or Al goes is visiting. Or pardon me, the devil is talking, and he remember. And you might remember him referring to some people like uh, F. Lee Bailey is going to get this place, and Cato Kalen Lounge is going to get get over here. The and, plan, the plans for the OJ com, the yeah, OJ Plaza, <laughs> right? And you know that was a big thing going on at the time. The, the oh yeah, of the century and OJ yeah. Simpson. Oh god, if you may want. Oh boy. You just want to look that up on the internet because it's too much to go go through. But because yep. Al has been shut in here, now shut in with his real hell. His family is there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lou, listen to me. I'm begging you. Can't you put me somewhere else? Hey, I hear J. Edgar Hoover has a queen-size bed. <laughs> Have a nice eternity. Here, you bastard! Peg, I'm home. (laughs) Shut the door, you're letting all the flames in! Okay, home shoppers, call now to get in on this lifetime supply of bonbons for only five cents. Damn hooves! They're just a pain in the ass. Tell me about it, Pain. I don't know how much more ISIS can take. It's hard being gentle with claws. Well, here they are for the seven millionth, nine hundred and sixteen thousand forty-second time. Come on, Al, you know the drill. We can't leave until you repeat the insult. Okay, look who's crossed the road. I'd say it was a chicken, but it doesn't have any breasts. Just nuggets. (laughs) And it takes ten of them to make a decent meal. Hey, is Kelly home? I'm ready. I'm ready. Whoa! Hey, I still have a nice body. God, I hate being a gargoyle. Now, if anybody needs me, I'll be perched on the roof. I can't take this anymore. You know. Jefferson and Peck come over. Come on now. You set it for the last seven millionth nine hundred and sixteenth or seven millionth nine hundred and sixteen thousand forty second time. And they've been there for three hundred years at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so somehow Peg 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 got a Tina Turner hair in the meantime. Yeah. And this here is the thing too, if you look think about hell. I think every one of these characters got their own taste of hell in a different way. Peggy being insulted by Al every day and Jefferson. Uh, Peggy can't dial QVC or whatever because she has hooves. Then there's Bud. He can't have his ISIS doll because he keeps pitching it and it deflates. 
God, yeah. And then Kelly turns into a gargoyle when she wants to go out on a date with that good-looking guy. Of course, you would think in hell that it wouldn't be a good-looking guy. Right. Well, that, that was the that that's was the hell. Because, yeah. Which, by the, by the way, that guy looked like a bouncer at a nightclub. Just, like, just yeah. like when you'd seen, like, an L.A., like, Studio 50. Well, I guess that was New York, but, yeah. He looked like he looked like a guy, uh, a bad, looked like a reject for a guy playing Moose in an Archie revival, a Riverdale revival. Like it, it, it was, it Maybe. was such a weird looking dude. But mm-hmm. I do like Kelly's is my favorite. Uh, her line, the line that she gives is my fa- is my favorite. Jefferson and Marcy, <laughs> um, they have my favorite tete a tete. But I loved uh, Kelly's singular by herself. Just like, if anybody needs me, I'll be perched on the roof. Oh, <laughs> I missed that one. That's why, That's yeah. where, because I, I was like, gargoyle, what the hell? <laughs> and then she's like, if anybody needs me, I'll be perched on the roof. Just stops off. I was like, oh, okay, that was pretty good. Real quick, the guy who played that, uh, Alex Sardenti, is only referred to as hunky guy. Uh, he does have, yeah. He has been in uh, the following movies, My Blue Heaven, Red Shoe Diaries. That was a TV show, actually. He was on four episodes of In Living Color. He was also had an uncredited role in Demolition Man. He was Hunky Guy Married with Children and also in a show, a show called Just Married, a movie. And he's credited as Bouncer. That's all his <laughs> acting credits. There we go. Good call, yeah. Stephen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his filmography is a lot more directing, more like in uh, bodybuilding stuff, because that's what uh, mm. that's what Ardenti did. But moving past him, I do just want to say I love whoever, which one of you just said that that the family is all receiving their own individual like pieces of hell, and what is yeah. it? All of them, their hell is being with each other, which again would be a perfect finale for this show. Yeah, <laughs> well, the, the overall hell, but they have their own individual things that make it worse. That they, that they can't escape. Like Peg can't order the bonbons. Kelly can't go on the date. Yeah, you know, ISIS is deflated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ISIS. poor ISIS. She's taking a beating. And then. Al goes to Lucifer. No, these plans for the OJ Plaza are all wrong. <laughs> the Effley Bailey Bar goes here, and the Cato Caden Lounge goes over there. <laughs> hey, Lou, I want my soul back. I want my soul back. I want my soul back. It's all I hear from you and Tiger Woods. <laughs> Tiger Woods sold his soul? Of course. You don't think anybody's really that good, do you? Calls him Lou. I want my soul back. I want my soul back. I want my soul back. That's all I hear from you and Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods sold his soul? Of course, you don't think anyone's that good, do you? Red Hot. Oh, thanks. Hey, you like to play games? Football. One-on-one, me against you, winner take all. I don't know. So the big, bad, fire-spitting devil is all talk. Respect a little fire spitting. <laughs> Look, Bundy, I've been pretty easy on you up until now. But if you want me to turn up the heat, you're going down. I'm already down. <laughs> Let's rock. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he offers, and here's the part when Satan or Lucifer offers him red hots and Al takes the box. That's going to come back later towards the end. Anyway, so Al wants to get out, and so um, the devil arranges a football game. I want to say I love, um, one thing I love about the depiction of hell is, like, the random, like, people, like, damned souls just walking around like zombies is a nice touch in the background. This is, like, this is all sets from, like, Little Nicky. And oh, yeah. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> it was it made me very happy because I'm just like, yeah, let's let's make this as uh, gauche as their living room. You know, it- <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I was almost, you know, speaking of gauche in hell, Tyler, at the end of Coven, what is this? Naughty pies. She's. Man, oh, you're making God. me want to revisit these. <laughs> I I grew up right by where Jessica Lang was from, and she would come back to town all the time. And everyone would talk about, oh, I met her. I saw her here. She did this. She posed for this photo, and I never was able to see her. So he arranges uh, Satan. Lucifer arranges a football game. I thought this was just between you and me. Allow me to introduce my team. Eric the Red, Attila the Hun, Genghis Khan, Brutus, and my favorite, Goliath. These guys aren't football players. I know. They just hurt people. That's no fair. I don't have a team. Oh, sure you do, Al. Hey, Daddy. All right. Like I said, I, I don't have a team. With the following people, Eric the Red, Attila the Hun, Genghis Khan, Brutus, uh, he was a Roman emperor, and my favorite, Goliath. Now, these are too many people to uh, go into detail to. We're just going to say, these are bad human beings in, in history, okay? Conquerors, yeah, yeah. mass murders. I'm amazed. I'm amazed we did not get Adolf Hitler, but I guess that would have been too much, and they would have pissed off German audiences. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Can I ask, why the heck is Eric the Red in here? When did he become known as like a perfect person for hell? I mean, well, today be, today'd be Christopher Columbus. I mean, I'm sure Columbus killed more people than Eric the Red. Exactly. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, it's weird. Like, just Eric the Red, the Norse explorer and Icelandic. Uh, like, like he's a hero in Norse mythology. I just love how we take him and shove him into hell. I just... yeah, that was probably the only one that, or that was the only one that did belong. I would say all these others do belong. Mm-hmm. He was oh. just considered an explorer. He wasn't really much, as far as I know, he wasn't much of a military uh, person. I don't think so either. Well, and this yeah. thing, this whole deal where he, uh, the devil is bringing his peeps, uh, this is also in that Treehouse of Horror episode. Which yeah. They should have. I would have taken the the uh, the parody directly to the face if they had sh- with glee. If they had done what the Simpsons did. I give you the jury of the damned: Benedict Arnold, Lizzie Borden, Richard Nixon. But I'm not dead yet. In fact, I just wrote an article for Redbook. 
Hey, listen, I did a favor for you. Yes, Master. John Wilkes Booth, Blackbeard the Pirate, John Dillinger, and the starting line of the 1976 Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> exactly. And every one of those, including those Flyers, they they just they would be in hell. I just found it very funny that it was Eric the Red. Maybe because right. he's big, but did did either of you watch the Treehouse of Horror yes. this year where they where they parodied it? You mean you mean the first Treehouse of Horror? Yes, the I first did. one. Yeah, yeah, that was legit. Kind of, kind of scary. I thought. Hey, I haven't seen that one yet. I missed it. and I forgot to set my DVR for it. So oh, it's I'll good. Go it's on. a good time. Mm. It's it on Hulu. Miss- yeah, I'll go there and see it. But yeah, really good. But Anyhow. yes, we're yes. The devil has his starting lineup, and wouldn't you know who Al's team? Al doesn't have a team. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got his wife, he's got his kids, he's got his neighbors. No, you're right, he has no teeth. Now this is sudden death. No kidding. <laughs> All we have to do is score the first touchdown and we get to go home. So, give me the ball and stay out of my way. Can I get a woman? Plan. Stay out of my way, but stay in their way. <laughs> Can I get a wool bundy? All right. New plan. They're expecting me to get the ball. Let's change all that. Can I get a wool bundy? Having some fun now, huh, Bundy? Maybe when hell freezes over, we can play hockey. All right, this is our last chance. Jefferson, it's time for the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full grace, Lord is with you. Not the prayer, the pass. Ready? Break. Three, four. Three, four. Sit, put. Are you, uh, sure you want to? <laughs> you see, Al, if you catch the ball, I send you all back together as we agreed. However, <laughs> if you drop the ball, <laughs> I'll still send you back. Not with them, but with them. <laughs> Come on, Al! You can do it! You can do it!
I loved all of them running up in their uniforms. Angels. I, I, it, it, yes, it took 11 goddamn years, but we finally got all of them in football gear. Mm-hmm. Al's ultimate hell. You know what's and, you know what's a funny a funny piece of trivia. Speaking of the how they call it, the the angels with that color scheme. Obviously, you both know about angels in the outfield. Oh yes, yep. The same year as this episode aired, there was a made-for-TV sequel called Angels in the End Zone. Yeah, with, with a Christopher Lloyd and Matthew Lawrence. Uh huh. And. <laughs> It's as bad they, as it sounds. Yep, it is. But they call themselves the, the Angels, and they have the exact same color scheme, that same baby blue everything. They took, same thing. They took the, they took the reference that they wouldn't get sued for. <laughs> right. I, but, yeah, so we have this uh, little game. Well, I guess you can call it a scrimmage. And Al just says, just give the ball to me. And, of course, they just tackle him all the other bad guys. And then he says, now don't just give the ball to me. You need to block them. Well, these guys don't know. Jefferson doesn't know how to block. Neither does Marcy or Peg or any of them. So he's just getting slapped down. Oh, and I forgot to mention this. Even though he's no longer the referee, don't you find it interesting that the devil played the referee? It's like, it's, it's an old joke. It's an old joke. It's actually a baseball joke where uh, the devil or um, God says, uh, or the devil challenges God to a baseball game. And God says, well, we got the best players up here. I can't wait to see who you have. And the devil says, well, you may have all the good players, but we have all the umpires. Yes. Okay. That was, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I just thought that was, a, I don't know if it was a reference to that joke or not, but it's just an old one. And they talk about doing the Hail Mary play. It was also referenced at the beginning. Jefferson, it's time for the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Not the prayer, the pass. Yeah, I wanted to mention this. The Hail Mary pass is also known as a shot play. It's a very long forward pass in football, typically made in desperation, only with a small chance of success. The expression goes back to the 30s when it was used publicly by two former members of the Notre Dame's four horsemen, Elmer Layden and Jim Crowley. And this was just a desperation play. That's all you could do. It got more popular, though, when the Dallas Cowboys uh, used it against the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC uh, playoff game on December 28, 1975. Quarterback Roger Staubach said about his game-winning touchdown pass to to wide receiver Drew Pearson. And Roger said, I just closed my eyes and I said a Hail Mary. Yeah. And he, because he was, he was, or he is Catholic, excuse me. Huh. Yeah. It's kind of like a, it's like a magic. It's, it's almost like a fake out trick, isn't it? No, it's just a desperation play. Hail my Mary. Bad. You send all your receivers downfield. Say a Hail Mary and heave the ball as hard as you can. Got gotcha. Actually, a history of them, if you analyze them, they often end up more with an interception. Okay, gotcha. Than a All touchdown. Right. I know oh. two. I know two football play statements: Hail Mary and Statue of Liberty. Those are the two that I recognize. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, the Little Giants? No. Nope. That play. Yep. Also, uh, another uh, Ed O'Neill reference there. 
Um, you're, you're all talking Greek to me. Sorry. Just oh, I only know from what I know from watching cartoons that did a lot of football stuff, Stefan. Don't you even worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, okay, so but Al does come up with the ball, the score, a touchdown, and everyone is released back into the real world. Can we talk about this and this how they do the play? <laughs> I love yeah. Kelly. Kelly hitting on Eric <laughs> and then Marcy flashing. Was it Attila the Hun or I don't remember who it was. was it Attila the Hun? I don't remember, but I'm thinking, what does she have to flash? I know <laughs> two nuggets are barely a snack. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been shocked by how little they were. This whole play reminds me and how they do it. It's like something you'd see in like a Mighty Ducks movie. Yeah, <laughs> except better. It's it's literally a Saturday Night Live sketch, which I enjoy. Yeah, actually, I think it was better than a Saturday Night Live sketch. No, it, it is, but like they're not trying to be any better than a Saturday mm-hmm. Night Live mm-hmm. sketch, which I think is better for the show. And by the way, this will be the last time ever in Married with Children when we hear "Whoa, Bundy." Mm, tear. Yeah. Unless you listen to our podcast and you'll hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. Especially on our outro. That's right. I'm home. I'm, I'm really home. Well, of course you're home. Where the hell else would you be? <laughs> exactly. I was in hell. And you were there. And you were there. And you were there. And of course you were there. <laughs> He's fine. Nice going with the dinner table, Al. Yeah. Now what are we not going to eat on? I can't believe you went to hell and didn't even bring me a souvenir. Hey, Al. The NFL draft is on. It must have been a dream. (laughs) There's no hell like home. Al comes home. I'm home. I'm really home. Well, of course you're home. Where else, where the hell else would you be? <laughs> Al says, yes, exactly. I was in hell. And then he goes on, and you were there, and you were there, and you were there. And you, and you, and you, and you were there. Have you noticed, guys, that between you, me, uh, Stefan, and me and Tyler, we always get the references to The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I mean, it's a if you're gonna reference something, like it's a good it's a safe bet that everybody knows that. I would I would say the Wizard of Oz is probably the most seen American film ever, perhaps world worldwide, perhaps film period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. And if they haven't seen it, everybody knows about it. Someone on Bloody Disgusting. When when they were there was an analysis about the move the new movie Pearl, which by the way see it if you have not it's phenomenal, um, about how that tied into the Wizard of Oz and the symbolism, and mm-hmm. there was someone in the comments that claimed that they were an adult who had never seen the Wizard of Oz. Again, I agree. I, I could believe that, but if you haven't seen the Wizard of Oz, you've seen something parodied the wizard of oz oh yeah yeah like it yeah. and if they say that they say no i've never seen anything that parodies this thing i'm like now now you're just trolling mm-hmm. 
I don't know if you've seen, there is a new trailer out. It's called Gale, Stay Away from Oz. No. Little girl, her grandmother is Dorothy, Dorothy Gale. And she goes to visit her grandmother, and her grandmother's like in a catatonic state and starts, and starts saying, stay away from Oz, stay away from Oz. You know, that trailer is pretty good. If it's if this movie is half as good as this trailer, I can't wait. That's called um, Gale, stay away from Oz. But look up the trailer. I was posted on Dan and Jamie's uh, Horror in the House of Salmon's uh, Facebook page, and I saw it like the other night, and I thought, damn, this looks good. If, hmm. if, if they can meet the standards of this trailer. But yeah, it, and then there was one other thing I wanted to bring up, and that's uh, at the very end. What does Al say? There's no hell like home. There's no place like home. With the uh, with the red hots. I thought I thought they said yeah. hot reds. I thought the logo yeah. had it reversed. Yeah. See, and that's it. He pulls that out, and you can see. Oh, he was in hell. So was everybody else. Yeah. It it did all happen. It did all happen. But were, were you were you implying that he was still in hell, or that it was like this was all his hell, or was but it really happened? But he had a, he had escaped with everyone. I wasn't implying anything, but as okay. you say it, yeah, he's in hell now because he's back in the house with the people he doesn't love. Well, he does love them. Well, just... well it, it's it's his own personal hell, not like the actual hell. Is I think what they were getting at. Probably, yeah, very likely. You know, and, but, and that's he... one of the that's one of the ideas of hell too. Is that hell is what we make it. We can mm -hmm. we enjoy life, or we can make it hellish for ourselves and other people. But it was sweet that he chose his family and friends over the wealthy babes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And th that's kind of a good factor, too, with, like, this being a potential alternate series finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that he, he did, you know, in the end, it showed he did love them. Because it also follows continuity with Al's character. Yes. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Welcome back. Stefan, how many boxes of Red Hots or Hot Reds are you going to eat for this episode of Mary Witch Hunt for Dan Bundy's? I am going to eat four and a half boxes for this episode. Uh, I was originally going to do four, but the, the, the conga line joke and you explaining it. <laughs> I love how you cracked you up. And it just added even more to this episode. Um, and very, very on brand for the character and characters. Um, I'm so laughing at it. That's more funny than the actual joke. It's so great. Right. Um, wait, wait, more funny than I... It's more funny that... Yeah, it's more funny how much you laughed at the realization of it mm, than the joke was yeah. for me the first time 
<laughs> yeah, to me, the, this episode, and it's one that I vividly remember from watching it as a kid. It, 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 yeah, it's wacky. It's cartoony. It fits the brand for season 11 of Married with Children, but it does it so well. It does it very well. Everyone is having fun. The writing is good. As you said, Stephen, there was no B-plot. The closest thing to a B-plot was maybe Al playing football, but it was directly overlapped with the main plot. So yeah, there really wasn't a B-plot. Um, it has a good ending. Um, as Tyler, you, and also Chris alluded to on the Facebook page, I think this would have been a good alternate uh, series finale for the show. It's just, it's great. It's probably, it's probably my favorite episode of season 11. Tyler, how many boxes are you going to eat? I, even though I don't like Red Hots that much, or Hot Reds, maybe I like Hot Reds, Stefan, uh, I am going to accept five full boxes of Red Hots. Damn. Mm-hmm. Was not hard. Uh, li- it, our conversation just reaffirmed it didn't enlighten. Um, I mean, no, it enlightened. I, it's always an enlightened time uh, talking with you guys. But this episode was just... It was a breath of fresh air. Like, it really, really was. I'm not going to lie. The season has had me. It's been a real hit or miss on the episodes that we do. And I was, and we're getting very close to the end. And I was getting a little worried that I wasn't going to get a, a, a good one. And I barely remember any of these episodes. So for a lot of times, this is my first times watching. This episode is just awesome. It is everything you want in Mary with Children. From plotting to the script to pace. Pacing. The pacing is amazing. You I guys agree. mentioned this would be a good two-parter. Maybe. I think with this being a two-parter, they would drag certain things out way too long. The I can just imagine how long the freaking football game between the devil and the Bundys would go. <laughs> yeah, you guys are hearing me, right? It's just mm-hmm. you could just see it. It would just be like, okay, can we wrap this up? Well, I, I would have if I would have done a two-parter. I don't mean to interrupt. Sorry, I would have had it. The first part would end with Al going to hell, and that would have been the dividing point. And then you're, but then you're just like languishing in hell too long. I just have a feel because there's no B plot, which I didn't even notice. So thank you for pointing that out, Stephen. But since there's no B plot, they are forced by time constraint to move through really quickly and just cut the fat. I bet you there's a uncut version of this that's like an hour long when I would love to see it. But as an episode, it's amazing. Robert England, mwah beautiful so he was wonderful he saunters in here um everyone's applauding and when he comes in which i find really funny because i don't think many of america much of america would even recognize him probably because he's not in makeup but he's a good actor he's campy as hell uh perfect for the devil and like i said doing a good job aping um ray watson from the first uh damn Yankees um, playing Applegate. Just so good. And it's it w- works as a season series finale where everybody is given a chance to show what they're what, what they meant to the show to uh, to be given a chance to go f- to go that extra mile. 
and or just you know be a supporting character at the same time nobody tried to outshine anybody al was the focus as it should be um his family was close second and the and the neighbors came right after everyone got their time uh I can't really think of a better place. I was worried, quite frankly, that no man was going to show up or Griff, as much as I love him, would show up. He's not, he's that, no, 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 no. That's then there's too many things. Then Al becomes part of no ma'am. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is married with children. This is damn Bundy's. Let's keep it that way. And they did. And before I end this, Stephen, <laughs> so we can get to yours, I want to give you guys a thing that I was working on while we were talking, a alternate idea for Al Bundy and Robert England. And it would be a wonderful life. It's a horrible life parody. I know they probably already did that, but I'm talking like a straight up the, as much as they did for damn Yankees. Uh, I straight up. It's a wonderful life for this. I want them to do that again, but with Robert England, because I could totally imagine the ending where you could just hear like um, every time uh, a beer cracks, uh, the dev- a devil gets his slacks or some some stupid thing like that. And because like, that's the only thing this episode is missing is Al and Robert England being more cute together. I kind when he left and the family was just doing their own thing. I wanted more of him. It's the only thing that could have made it better was more Robert England. So I, I just had a lot, of, a lot of fun. And I hope you guys did too. Well, I too am going to give it four and a half boxes. I love this one. You know, of the, and here's the sad thing. You know, we have the two-parter coming up. Tom and I have already recorded that with Annabelle. And... Then we have Chicago Shoe Exchange at the end. I got to tell you, these last three episodes are real duds, especially if you compare it to this one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we could have our own Council of Trent and determine that this is the official canon and of the Bundys because it does fit well. Tyler, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I thought Robert England was having so much fun. He was stealing every scene he was in he has great timing with uh ed o'neill as the uh, as the two mm-hmm. leads he stole uh, every scene but did not chew the scenery that's a good way to put it i like that thank you and i like the parodies that they did and i thought it was a little heavy on the pop culture references a little too heavy you know but then again these last but uh, the last few episodes hardly have any other pop culture references. So maybe they're trying to make up for it. And let's see here. I thought I, let me make sure I had, uh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I've already stated I didn't like Peg's stupidity on not knowing what a table is. And I, and like, I, I agree with Stefan. I think it might've been a better as a two-parter because they try to do so much, but we got what we got. And I think what we got is damn good. And mm-hmm. this is probably the best of the episodes that we are going out on. Can I bring one last thing to where if I could, I would have it be six boxes of Red Hots, split that last six box and shove it onto your guys' review to make it, make it all five for five. No, I'm just joking. You guys <laughs> are in total review. But another reason why this is so good is that 
This is season 11, end of season 11 in a show. And you could take this episode and show it to somebody who's never seen a lick of Married with Children, and they would get everything. They may not like Mm -hmm. it because, you know, you either like Married with Children or you don't. But if they did like Married with Children, I think this would be a good introduction episode. Mm hmm. If that's all you say, had. If all you had your box set of season eleven, and that's all you had, go to this episode. <laughs> it's definitely, I think, you know, the more I think about it, this, probably is the best of season eleven. This is the best episode of season eleven. And I want to take the time to say this is going to be the last time the three of us are together reviewing a Mary with Children episode. Oh, thank God, I'm leaving hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll drag you back in somehow. <laughs> But I want to say it's been real, a real joy doing all this with uh, you guys, especially Tyler, because we started out uh, doing it a couple of years ago, even before, you know, we took over as one of the podcast groups. Yeah, we That's... were doing the Married with Children Roundtable on Patreon. Remember that? <laughs> yes. we attempt. I want to do more on that, but then the original crew had to call it quits and we took over with Luigi and Matt, with Alex's blessing, of course, and Annabelle and Matt. And we've had some other people come in. We've had um, Mr. Wildcat, who joined us for one. We've had uh, Alyssa, I believe, was another one. Uh, there was another one, Stephen, who's down in Australia. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's Stephen came over and just won't leave. Like yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. camping out on the couch. <laughs> I listened to the the ship happens and you made all those errors about the Titanic. I'm like, damn it, I need to I need to rectify this. Not I know. Right. Listeners, oh. and, listeners, if you want to get on the show, there are better ways of pointing out my shortcomings, but <laughs> it can also get you on the show too. So what a <laughs> right. Anyway, so you guys have anything else to say on our final tribute to our favorite TV show? Um, yeah, I I want to echo what you said, Stephen. Yeah, this was a wonderful, wonderful journey. Uh, one I hope do- may not end. I don't want to give any spoilers, but I, I think we're all ready for maybe a break. Um, I'm sure you are, Stephen, but. I think what we created here was very, very good. And the fact that this group was able to literally jump right in the middle of a podcast and not completely change it, hold to what the original concept was and keep it going, it makes me think that we could really do well with our own projects. So if... um, I would agree. Yeah, if Mm -hmm. listeners out there would like to hear more of us, because we are, before anything else, we are a podcast of fans, by fans, for fans. So if basically, if enough fans want us to do stuff, that's your best bet. If you want to hear more of me and Steven jabbing, uh, gabbing away, if you want to hear more of Aussie's friends doing stuff and Luigi and Chris, our bald, the bald-headed brigade doing things, um, then yeah, Please write us out. Uh, comment on the on the Facebook message on the Facebook po- uh, group page. Uh, message us privately. Uh, let us know. You never know what if we like an idea. We, look what we did. We might go forward. So yeah, 
what about you, uh, Stefan? Anything you want to say to everybody out there in La La Land? Yeah, I just want to second everything. You know, it was wonderful to hop on board, even you know, kind of late in the game. Yeah, you know, I love talking about, you know, some of my favorite things from my childhood, uh, reminiscing about it. It's always a lot of fun for me. Um, yeah, regarding, you know, future projects, yeah, you can you can check me out. The, the other frequent guest star, Alyssa, she does a podcast when TV was... When TV was great, when TV was good, when TV was good, or TV was great, one of those. And I've guessed it on a few times if you want to check it out. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you know, I hope this is not the end and, you know, we do something else. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we can. And uh, before we go, I also want to congratulate Christina Applegate on getting her star on the Walk of Fame, Hollywood Walk of Fame this year. She looked, she looked great. She got down on her knees. I'm like, Oh, honey, it's must be really hard, but you're doing it. I know. Christine Applegate on her knees is something I didn't think I'd see in a while. It was. Mm. Yeah. 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 And it's in your prayers for her and dealing with MS. That's a, that's a tough one. Yep. My cousin had my cousin has multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. Dina. It, sh- it shocked me when I learned because she carries herself so well and dig- dignified that it's hard to even like i mean that must be insanely painful to have to do that so just props to her you know like yeah and we have uh the finally the the final season of dead to me starts later like in a week oh, i can't can't wait and it's really it's convenient because at the the end of season two her character gets in a bad accident so you know she will be not moving, you know, they, they could have written your character well, you know, her, her condition, yeah. I feel like. Uh, Steven, actually, since we brought up, uh, I might, I might bring this up one more time. Like when we, we still have, we still have wrap ups and this, this will not be the last episode you guys hear from us. Just wink, wink on there. But I do want to bring up as for future po- uh, projects, I myself, um, and Stefan, you caught your you messaged me privately a while back, and it, it kind of reignited something. I am creating my own podcast. This has inspired me to become a podcaster on my own. Um, I would not have even been able to do a quarter of this without all the effort of the Married with Children podcast crew. So many of them are doing are excelling way higher than I am in producing and editing and everything. It, it it's it's. Like, I may have started, probably, I guess, as the leader, but no, heck no, I'm more of a backseat guy right now. Uh, still, much love, but I want to make my own. And this, and I want to say this right now, out loud, I would love for our listeners to be the first ones to hear it. I'm going to be, it's going to be called Black and White All Night. And it's a review podcast, similar to Married with Children, where I review a different type of black and white medium, um... But probably by by monthly, but starting out monthly, um, it's going to be just me <laughs> for the first part of it. First, it'll be a two parter episode kind of deal where the first part is just me talking about what I'm going to be reviewing. Could be an episode of the Twilight Zone. Could be a full movie. Could be a ra- random episode of a television show that has one segment in black and white. Who knows? And then the sec- and then the second part after a small break will be me. And a guest. Now, here's the cool thing, listeners. I'm in the market for guests, and I'm 100% sure that I will rope Steven in on one of these, and possibly Stefan as well. 
I have created a format that will allow a guest to show up and not know anything about this podcast. The only requirement, you got to watch what we're reviewing. And I will, and if you have no recording skills, I will work it out for you. It's going to be a interesting ride, but I, I, I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of good faith that I think I can make a good product. So if you guys are, keep, keep it, uh, if you guys find, or if anybody out there is interested or wants to hear more about it, just, you know, shoot me a message on, on Facebook and I'll give you all the info. But yep, should be coming out in the probably the beginning of 2023. Okay. Wonderful. And I already told you which one I wanted to do with you, right, Tyler? Yes, you did. Yep. Okay. You, are not, you are not doing that without me or anyone else. No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> okay. Well, then, tune in next week when Tyler and I will join Annabelle and we will review. Actually, it's already been recorded and I finished... I finished producing it. We're going to be reviewing the desperate half hour. Yes. And that's when uh, the Bundys are held hostage by an escapee who is Buzz Penpal. And then Kelly meets her uh, wingman who turns out to be the love of her life. Spoiler alert. It was not as good as this episode. Yeah. And (laughs) anyway, until then, remember... Can I get a whoop on? Whoa! Whoa!